You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. Amen. Man, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. What a gift. Uh, I think it's my favorite thing we're doing as a church right now, which is adding this prayer block and humbling ourselves before the Lord and just crying out, asking him to do what we can't. Church family, uh, good morning. So good to see you. My name is Jonathan Woodleaf. I'm Jonathan as well. So take that, Shane and Shane, Jonathan and Jonathan leading this morning. Um, I'm our pastor of missions and mobilization. It's just an honor, as always, to open up God's Word. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 10, be in Mark chapter 10. And as you're turning there, we are still in our series that we've been calling Onward. And by that, we're, we're talking about this idea of what does it look like to be a member tethered to the local church? What does it look like to be invested here and invested in any church? And what does this onward vision look like for Northway Church? And it's a pertinent question because we live in a day and time where the reminder to prioritize the local church and be tethered and connected to Jesus's body um, is crucial. And so we've looked at this idea of what do we believe as Northway Church? How do we belong? Last week, if you didn't hear that, to get into the nitty gritty of gospel community, you need to listen to that. And then week before that, this call to gather, this call to keep assembling and being the body as one. And then, man, this morning, just have the privilege of leading us along this frame of what does it look like to serve? This call of service in the local church. So Mark chapter 10, we're gonna be in 35 through 45. Brady already read some of that for us today. Let me just call out to God and ask for strength. Father, just pray that you'd illumine the words of this text, that we would hear it and be changed. We love you. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. So this past week uh, for my family and I, we had one of those weeks where just everything was breaking. I don't know if you've had one of those weeks. It was like, I'm like, man, I'm either the least handiest person in the entire world, which arguably true, or uh, everything's just breaking, or both and. You know, it could be a both and. Um, my car uh, broke down midweek. I'm not trying to get sympathy. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. My, our AC broke, and then our grill. Uh, I got like a new grill. We just moved into a house, and it, it was broken, you know? And so I'm just like, man, it's like one of those things. Everything I touch is breaking. And I, if I'm just honest, like I, I just got to like bring my humanity to the pulpit today. I just was having this like woe is me week, just kind of like twiddling my thumbs and poor me. And like, I'm usually eternal optimist, but I was like ER, ER this week. And my wife's like, we're changing. Like, what's happening here? And um, and she wasn't trying to Jesus juke me or shame me, but we were at the kitchen table and she just begins leading our family in prayer before dinner. And, and Caitlin begins to, to thank God that like the brokenness that happens here inwardly and around us reminds us of a greater brokenness going around the world globally and how we're called to be ambassadors to like push back that brokenness. And I'm just like, Awesome, you know, amen, but not, not there right now, you know? And uh, I wanna be, like, help me, Lord, so thankful for, like, my beautiful bride. But I don't know if you've had one of those moments where you're like, there's global tragedies going on and you're mad because the guy in front of you is going too slow on 635 or, or there's this brokenness out here, but for some reason, like, you've gone real inward and all you can think about is you. Um, St. Augustine said it this way. He said that, that because of the brokenness inwardly, not just outwardly in our soul, that the soul, our souls become curved inwardly. In other words, we are supposed to be those that like live upwardly to God in worship and outwardly on mission. But because of the brokenness in here, our souls begin to curve inward upon our own self. And what I love about the beauty of what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us a bigger vision because you and I know this. Maybe you're here today and like you've been a part of churches that were beautiful demonstrations of the mercy and service of Jesus Christ. That's why you're tethered. Or maybe 
Some of you are here today and you saw an awful vision of that. Maybe you've been hurt by the church, the lack of service. Maybe you have a bad taste in your mouth because of the way the church didn't lean in and Jesus is trying to give us a better vision. So that's where we're going today is what does it look like to be a church that serves? And to do that, here's where I wanna go. When we're looking at this, this passage in Mark, I wanna show us first three false notions of service. We're gonna kind of tear some stuff down first. I, wanna, I want us to look at a few lesser stories. Like what are a few stories that we're prone to buy into that are, that are not the true story of service? And so here's the first one that we see in this text, Mark 10, 35 through 45. The first lesser story is just this idea of I want to be served. That's the first lesser story is I, I wanna be served. We see it in 35 to 37. I'm gonna read it here the request of James and John. Jesus, for the third time, has just said that he's going to suffer and he's going to die and he's gonna rise again. And every time there's a pattern, the disciples have begun to try to save their life, preserve their life, they've gone inward. The first time, Peter rebukes them. Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. The second time, the disciples, when Jesus says, I'm gonna suffer, they're arguing over who's gonna be the greatest. And now this third time, once again, Jesus says, guys, Here's where I'm going. And here's the pattern of the Christian life to lay down your life. And James and John have a request. Verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus, not miffed at all, says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in glory. Jesus, that's what we want. So we've got this, this mindset of James and John where they see the path of following Jesus. One is a path to, to be served, not to serve. They see their position in the kingdom, the role God has as one where they're gonna get stuff from Jesus, not just give it. And look at Jesus's response in 42 to 44. Brady read this. Jesus says this, he calls them together. He calls all the 12 and he says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all for even, look where he goes, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus essentially says this, like James and John, um, church today, that call of I wanna be served, that narrative, this is what people who don't follow me are like. That's what Jesus says. This is what people that don't follow me are like. They rule and they lead for their own selfish ambition. They only do things for what they're gonna get out of them, not what they're going to give. Jesus is saying, James and John, you wanna follow me, but you wanna follow me in such a way that I'm just useful for you, that I like serve your interests. So you've got all your things going on and here's Jesus. Jesus, and as long as Jesus gives me what I want out of service, I'll keep going. But when that stops happening, I'm probably gonna get derailed. James and John, you wanna serve in my kingdom, but you only wanna serve in such a way that others will serve you, that others will give you what you want. In other words, the question for James and John is what am I getting out of this call to follow Jesus in service? Not what am I giving, but like what, what am I getting out of it? I, I think here's what's sad. Here's what happens when we begin to have like that lesser story is we begin to see people as objects. This lesser story in our day and time would just be called consumerism. This idea of like, we just wanna consume and we are good at that. I don't need to throw out all the stats and things that you've heard probably many times that we as a country are good at consuming. But what's really sad is consumerism full blown begins to consume not just things, but people. 
We begin to see people in a culture of utility as people that, not that we could love, not image bearers or people that Christ laid his life down for, but people that we can use to get what we want. One, not only in consumerism do we see people as objects, but then secondly, relationships are transactional. So whether it's like a dating relationship or a marriage or a, or a boss coworker, like it's transactional. And as the person's giving you what you want, everything's okay. But the minute they start giving you the things that you don't want that disrupt your plan, you're not in it anymore. You're not in it. And that's a tragedy. And Jesus is trying to turn that on its head. Here's what we know the true story is, is that the people of God in a culture of utility really have to prioritize loving people, not just using them. Every person that we interact with in the body of Christ is someone that Jesus laid his life down for. And every person you interact with in your neighborhood, in your workplace is a potential future heir of the kingdom and then for sure made in the image of a holy God. So Jesus is trying to turn this on its head. And Jesus says, the narrative isn't I come to be served. Uh, The narrative is I come to serve. That even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even in Luke 22, Jesus will say this. He'll say, who's greater? Like the person that lies down and reclines at the table or the person that serves? And I'll say, but I am among you as one who serves. I felt this just just bragging on my wife today's sermon. I felt this uh, a while ago um, when my wife and I were about to get married. Um, Many of you know part of my story has been having some health issues. I'm not going to get into those too much detail today. But the short of it is when we were about to get married, I had a lot of a lot of potential things that could happen because of all the medicines I've been on. They're like, hey, you're, you're predisposed to cancer, you're predisposed to diabetes, and um, you got had some kidney issues going on, to put it mildly. And, and so Caitlin and I ended up getting in front of this, this interview, um, one of the channels in Dallas News, just to, to talk about what was happening. I'll never forget. We're sitting there before the interviewer, and the lady stops the interview, and she looks at Caitlin, and she's like, now, why are you marrying him again? And I'm like, thinking, I'm just going to be silent here for a second, you know, see how this blows over. And she literally, like, I forgot what Caitlin said. Like, she leans in again, and she literally says a second time to Caitlin, now, why are you marrying him again? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I got to talk. Lady, lady, I'm right here, you know, look at the gun show. Everyone knows why she's marrying me, you know, like, not at all. But I, like, I'm, what? And then a third time, not kidding, she says to Caitlin, what, I don't, I can't, I mean, I can't figure out why you're marrying him. I'm like, okay, like, I get it. I'm supposed to be humbled in this Christian life, you know? And um, Caitlin, just brilliant, says this. She says, man, we believe as Christians that Jesus Christ came not just to be served, but to serve. And that redefines all of our relationships. It changes the way we see marriage. It changes the way we see the workplace. It changes the way we see church. It changes everything. I'm just over there jaw dropped, like, Lord, thank you for my wife. It's not perfect like that, always with us, but in that moment, just a gospel picture of what Jesus is calling. Jesus turns this on its head. Second thing, there's a second lesser narrative. I think we have to get some of these out of the way before we jump in. Second one is not just I want to be served, but the second false story or lesser narrative that you and I can buy into really easily is I want to be seen. If the idea of I want to be served is about selfish ambition and what do I get out of this, the idea of I want to be seen is all about status. I was talking with one of my good friends, Joel, this past week, who's been doing some study in the book of Mark as well. And we were just talking about this idea that like the book, Mark and his gospel is constantly trying to address status, a people that, that care a lot about their rank and position and how things look. And so um, right before this, Jesus has just uh, talked about the parable of the rich young ruler. And then right before that, he's talked about how in his kingdom, you have to come like a child. And then here again, 
were confronted with this idea of status. James and John, like they want the seats of glory. It's so interesting that Jesus keeps using this title, the son of man. When they heard son of man, that the, their like Spotify list in their head would have gone to Daniel 7 and they would have heard son of man and heard authority, glory, ruling. And they would have thought, we want in on that. Yes, finally, the son of man is here. And Jesus is redefining this for me, saying it's not the time for glory. They want the seats of glory. They want to go high, but Jesus wants them to go low. James and John, instead of being transformative to the culture around them, they're starting to look just like the culture around them that cares just about status. And Jesus loves them too much to not address this. In our day, I think the question isn't just like, what am I getting? If it's this question about, am I seen? Um, But I think the question here is we start to ask like, why why aren't we there yet? Like, why aren't we where we're supposed to be? James and John want something that in a sense is going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing in a sense, but it's not the time yet. As you've heard it said, the crown is coming, but the cross is coming first for Jesus. We live in a culture of, of individualism. You know that? Or like, we can be the center of the universe. We live in a culture of style over substance at times. And, and what that leads to is short-sightedness. And we have to confront that if we're going to be a church that serves well. It leads to short-sightedness. Wrote this down just to, just to say it clearly. As believers, we are called to evaluate everything in life in light of eternity. And in that light, sometimes our greatest act of faith or our greatest act of service really is just faithfulness. Whether it's studying for one more test, whether it's changing one more diaper, whether it's filling out one more tax form, faithful service as a disciple who makes disciples of Jesus is all a work in progress. I don't know about you, but I have this tendency to want to crank up the oven and just be baked into perfection in like 30 minutes. And I want, if I'm honest, I want you to be baked into perfection in 30 minutes too. But the truth of the gospel is transformation from one degree to another. It's slower than we'd like, 1 Corinthians 3.18. We want, in our culture, we want every minute to be epic. Like if I'm gonna lean and serve, I want everything to be epic. But Jesus is redefining and showing that a calling to God is to see that every minute is indeed epic when it's lived faithfully unto him for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we'll let this narrative kind of lean in as well and redefine us. And then just the third one, the third one we need to confront, not just the call to be, to be served, which can lead to seeing people as objects, not just a call to be seen, which can lead to a short-sightedness, but one more narrative we gotta confront. And it's just the the desire to be superior. So interesting, if you look down, um, if you look down with me at verse 41, it says this, when the 10, this is the other 10 disciples, when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him, to himself and says to them, What's interesting is, is the other 10 are not angry at James and John because they're like, James and John, that's not the way of Jesus. Like the way of Jesus is service. The way of Jesus is faithfulness. The way of Jesus is laying down your life and losing your life. That's not why they're angry. They're angry because they want the seats of glory. They're like, they asked the question first. Or if you're reading Matthew's account, their mom asked the question first, you know? They're angry because of that. How do we know that? Because right before this chapter, they're on the road and they're all arguing about who is the greatest. And then secondly, we know it because Jesus calls all of them to himself. He wants to say something that all of their hearts need to be engaged on. They, they just want to be better. If this call to, if the desire to be served and be seen is a desire to be great, 
This desire to be superior is to be the greatest. They want now not just to be great, but they want the highest rank. They want to be at the very top. They're not just content with the gifts they have. They want the best gifts. They're not just content with the position they have. They want the highest position. They're not just content with the life they've been given. They want a life that is better than someone else. Jesus begins to say this to them. He begins to say, if you want that, you're gonna have to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized in the baptism which I'm baptized. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want that, you're gonna have to participate in my mission. You can't just spectate on it and critique and argue about what's gonna happen. You're actually gonna have to be involved in the kingdom that I've called you to be involved in. Jesus later will say this, whoever wants to be first has to be the slave of all. And that's like uncomfortable language in our day. I was reading uh, Tony Evans this past week talking about that. And he was saying, man, he was saying, as an African-American pastor, that language confronts me in, in, in a unique way. But then I see how Jesus begins to redefine this and show that he's a master like no other. That in his service is perfect freedom. And when we, we begin to lay our rights down for the one who is truly good and truly right, this call to devote, be devoted to Jesus disregarded of our own interests. This idea to be superior, here's what I think it leads to. Last thing we have to confront is I think it leads to a spectator mentality because we're so busy arguing about things that don't really matter in the kingdom. We're sidelined from the very thing that matters most. But here's what's amazing and what I love about our, our church gatherings and services, the beauty of hearing, speaking, and singing the good news of Jesus is it reminds us that we are those that have not just received the kingdom, we are actually those who are participants in the kingdom. This is the gift of the Sunday gathering. We don't just point out darkness around us. We are called to be those that push back darkness, like 1 Peter 2 says. We're not just those that advocate, advocate against abortion. We're people that engage in adoption and foster care and all issues of life. We don't simply speak out for good community. We invite the least and last to our dinner tables. This is true for our worship gatherings. We gather to take part in the service, not just to, to sit back and watch. And so I love it. Like Jesus is, is redefining this call of what does it look like um, to truly walk in the path of service as his sons and his daughters. So if it's not, man, I wanna be served. Like if that's not the narrative we can carry, if it's not, I wanna be seen. If it's not, I wanna be superior, then what is the path and what is the way? And I mean, if I could this morning, I just wanna take a few minutes and, and just remind you of the gospel story that we're caught up in, remind you of the true story before we just lean in practically and say, okay, what does it look like practically as a church? In the beginning, God, God made Adam and Eve and as he made them, he made them as image bearers. Like he made them in his own image and he made them to rule and to reign. And he said, be fruitful and multiply so that they could spread God's image over the whole world so that people could see what God is truly like, not a false representation of him, but what he's like truly like, that we could encounter who God is. But, but what's sad is quickly the evil one comes, Genesis 3, and he tricks Adam and Eve to submitting to him as the ruler of the world instead of God. And they hand authority over to Satan and they become his slaves and all of humanity from that point on is born into that reality, slavery to sin and slavery to Satan. And as others have said, it's a really rotten rule. Under the rule of this false king, widows and orphans are stranded, families break up, people gossip and slander. Um, things the way they're meant to be, they break down. Selfishness corrupts everything that leads to greed and poverty and all kinds of abuse and injustice. It's this beautiful world that God created all of a sudden turns and it's not the way that it's supposed to be. But then in steps Jesus. And this is the hope 
of the good news of the Christian message and what, what Jesus began to un, unpack here, that he steps in as, as this new king. He's bringing a new kingdom. He's giving a taste of what it's really supposed to be like. This is the beauty of the church, that, that we lean under Jesus and get to extend this message. Jesus is the new king, the new Adam, who comes to establish God's rule and reign over the whole world. And here's what's crazy. Jesus didn't come like other kings come. Other kings came to be served, They need people to give them what they want. Other kings come to be seen and to be visible. They love applause. They love being like recognized. And when they're not, they're frustrated. Other kings come to be superior and there's tyranny and all sorts of darkness and destruction. But Jesus comes like no other king. Philippians 2 says this, that he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself low like a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death, on a cross. And so that's why we get so jazzed up about that in Christian circles about Christ coming to lay his life down on a cross is because here is Jesus coming to do what he said in Mark 10. He's coming as a ransom. Like if you think about a ransom, a ransom is someone has been kidnapped, someone has been enslaved, someone, some type of injustice has happened. And what happens? You, someone pays, a third party pays a ransom payment that that person might go free. And Jesus is saying, my service, I, I leaned in low in such a way that that might be happened, that everyone trapped in any type of injustice or bondage or brokenness, that the payment of my very own blood and my very life might set them free to a new type of life. I'm gonna read this quote. Just was inspired by this story again by a book called Saturate. I'm gonna read this quote from the book. It says this, if you have come to Jesus, the servant of all, the king of all kings, you did so because you needed Jesus to serve you. I love that. You needed him to serve you. You knew you needed him to rescue you from your slavery to sin and Satan, to heal you from your spiritual sickness, to fill your spiritual poverty with his incredible riches and to cover your sinful nakedness and shame with the clothing of his righteousness. If this is true of you, you have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness under Satan's rule and authority and you've been transferred to the kingdom of light under the rule and reign of Jesus. Jesus is your king and you are his servant. I love that. For those of us who are Christ, that's the story we find ourselves in. It's so beautiful that the cross has done something for us and to us. It's changing us, and it's making us new. If you're here today and you'd say, that's not true of me, I just hope during this time you will see the beauty of Jesus more and more and begin just wanna lean in and investigate more of who he is and the life he's called us to live. But the cross doesn't just do something to us, it begins to do something through us. So those that now have come to Jesus to be served, like the only thing we can do is just begin to serve others. Like that's the the life we lead. It's not perfect, but it's the rhythm of our lives where we lean in and wanna serve others as well. I just wanna talk about that a little bit on our back end. Like what would that look like? Like, what would it look like if, if we rejected these false narratives of being people that wanna be seen and wanna be served and wanna be superior? What would it look like if we followed the way of Jesus and followed this path of being of Jesus who came not just to be served or be seen or be superior, but to lay his life down and serve? So a couple, couple things there. Here's the first thing. The first thing that's just been on my mind hard is one, this would just be the identity that we carry like everywhere we go. What's amazing is this this call to service is not just something we do as Christians, it's who we are. In other words, it's not not an activity, it's an identity. It's not something that I can like take, go in and out of like a really bad dating relationship. You know, it's it's something that I wear constantly. It's, It's who I am. 
We're, we're called to do this. And then we begin to extend the reign and rule of Jesus amidst our, our family, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, everywhere that we go. Um, a while ago, had a had a friend of mine, he was an older man, more of a mentor, who worked for an organization where, where he had started this really massive youth camp. And he was the CEO, and then he, was, he had started it, and then he also had led it at this point in the game. And I'll never forget, like, he told us that there was this issue at the camps where, where nobody would clean the toilets. And so lots of things going well, but no one would, would clean the bathrooms. And so here's what he did during the, the kids' lunch break when everyone went off to eat. He would go into the restrooms and he would get down on the floor and clean those tiles and pull hair from the drains and clean the toilet bowl and clean around the walls. And this was his rhythm for months and months and months. And then one day, he just hears behind him, he hears a creak of the door open. Usually people weren't coming in there during the lunch break. And he hears just an audible gasp, you know, and turns around to see this 15-year-old boy at the camp looking at him, just jaw dropped, like, you're David, what are you doing here? You know, what are you doing doing the very thing all of us neglect? And I loved it. David began to, to set this culture of, he called it a shock and awe campaign. Isn't that fun? I just love the creativity God puts in people. He called it a shock and awe campaign. And his mission began just to shock and awe people with the crazy service that was his and Jesus Christ. And then it just spread. His, his, his friends and others started doing it where there would almost be this like good competition, you know, like I'm gonna outdo you in honor, here I go. And, uh, and it was awesome, just shocking people with the, the service and sacrifice that is ours as Christians in Jesus Christ. It's an identity that we wear, not just something we do. Wherever we go, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our roommates, dating relationships, our marriages, one, it's just an identity we wear. But then secondly, man, we're called to be those that are, that are tethered to a local church. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 is gonna be on the screen. Look at this with me. Peter says this to the church. He says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I love it. That word, serve, same word used in Mark 10, 45, diakono, same word there, this idea of serving the welfare of the church, this idea of serving the interests of another, same word there. A couple of things I wanna say on that. Man, one, we, we just need, we need your gifts here at Northway Church. We need your gifts. Um, and our story has been so beautiful, I think. Uh, many of you know that we were a part of a multi-site church and connected to that multi-site church, one of the reasons they wanted to roll off campuses, there were multiple reasons, but one of them was they saw that there were a few people doing the work of ministry and, and like success and leadership is succession. And so they felt like they weren't like, like creating a pipeline of other people. And they felt like there was this, this narrowness to like how involvement was happening in the body. And there was like this, this cap in a sense on service. I'll never forget, there was one lady in our body named Savanada who God, man, she gave a vision. God gave a vision to her. And the vision was of all of our people in the pews staring at a screen and great tragedies were happening and brokenness was happening in the city, but everyone was staring and no one was acting. And I don't think the point of the vision was like, that was everything that was happening in our church, but it was this call of like, we can't spectate. Like we've gotta be involved. And there, there was this roll off of the campus. And then many of you know, man, we, we got hit by a tornado. I think some of you are sick of hearing about that, you know, and, and God pushed us out into the community in a beautiful way. He began to make us uh, really cognizant of the fact that the church isn't a building, it's a people. Ultimately, that the church isn't a gifted 
few, it's a gifted many. The church doesn't just operate on Sundays. The church operates Monday through Saturday as well. And it was beautiful. We started to lean in and serve. And then this thing called a pandemic came and, and it just hitched things. And there was fear and isolation and who's here and who's not here. And man, I just, I just want you to hear a lot of that. We so glad you're here. Like, it's good to see you. What, isn't it a gift to gather together? Like, man, so awesome. Okay, just me, but I love it, you know? And, um, but we need your gifts. I just want you to, I want you to hear that today, that we, we need your gifts. Statistically, uh, 20% of the church, statistically 20% of the church does all the service. And some of you, I see you here today, like you, you don't need to do anything else. You know, like you're doing a lot. But then statistically, can't say that word right now, 80% just kind of watch and spectate. Let me be really clear. Like some of you are here and, and you're not even sure if you're in on the Christian thing. And we'd love you to come and serve. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Come join us. But I'm not trying to push you to do that. Some of you, it's a, a great season of difficulty and wounding. And no one's saying, hey, you better start serving. We want you to heal. And there's spaces for that. But for some of you, God's just tapping you on the shoulder and, and it, it's time. You know, it's time to to lean in and to serve. I wanna, I wanna hear this, not just your gifts. We, we need your involvement along the ideas of gifts. I think a lot of times when people, one of the things that gets people hitched from service is this idea of like, is that my spiritual gift? Like you're calling me to like welcome people to door, but I'm pretty sure I'm gifted at this. Or, you know, I, you're calling me to go help with kids or you're calling me to help with our calling in the neighborhood. I'm, I think my gift's this. I just wanna, just wanna remind you of this. When, when you look at church history and we read the scriptures, Here's what's awesome. You don't discover your gifts primarily by studying you. It's not how it happens. You discover your gifts by serving others. It's awesome. Not, not saying don't do a personality test or don't ever take a spiritual gifts test. I'm just saying we spend, when you look at the global church versus American church, we spend an inordinate amount of time taking tests, you know, to, to study us, to see what am I gifted at. But there's a call to lean into gifting, not by studying you, but by serving others. And as you do that, God will begin to affirm the things you're called to. And so secondly, not just jumping, but speaking. I love it. Lindsay, our connections minister, said this this past week, but many of you, again, don't need to jump into another avenue of service, but what we do need you to do is to speak into the gifts of another person. Like you're so good at discernment and seeing what people are gifted at. And we need you to tap someone on the shoulder and be like, hey, you would be an amazing gospel community leader. Like, I know you're, you don't think you're this or you haven't arrived, but you would shepherd a group so well and we need you in this church. Or you know what? You love kids. And right now we need 30 volunteers right now. This is true, not a not an example. Um, we need 30 volunteers in our birth to um, preschool ministry with Christy Pope. And you would be awesome at that. Man, what if, what if you just leaned in and we began to have a backlog on that? We, we had such space that kids could freely come in here. We could even have newcomers come and those that don't know Jesus so they could bring their kids as well. And you need to tap someone on the shoulder and tell them that. That would be a gift. And then secondly, uh, our, our last on that, I just, I just want you to hear that in needing you and your gifts, the beauty of the body really is diminished when like we don't have your gifts. It's not just a trite thing that pastors say to try to get some people to volunteer and sign up or to, or to s sign up in the city. But we, the beauty of the body, if, if the church really is the body of Christ, like we really are diminished. Our beauty is diminished when we don't have you leaning and serving. And so we'd love to talk more about that. But one way I wanna point you to is our leader summit. You have heard about it over and over and over again. And that is for anyone that wants to jump in and participate in the life of our church in a more meaningful way. And so I just encourage you to come. We extended registration to the end of today and childcare. And so lean in and come as a next step. That would be a gift. We would love that. Last thing. Not just an identity of where we go at all times, not just tethered to the local church serving inwardly, 
I just wanna call us as a church to, to have our gaze outwardly as well, to be tethered to a local and global community as we serve outward. Matthew 25, 44 through 45 is gonna be on the screen. You're gonna read it here in just a sec. The context of, of this passage is Jesus talking with a group of his followers about the fact that, that there were people in prison that needed to be visited. There were, there were those that were without clothing. There were those that were sick. And, and his people didn't visit, didn't welcome, didn't tend to. And, and, he, and he says they missed an opportunity to do it to him like they missed him. Then they will say, answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And same word as 1 Peter 4, same word as Mark 10. When did we not diacono you? When did we not serve the interest of you? When did we not serve you, Jesus? And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So just a couple reminders, man, when we, when we are served by Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the, the next step is to go and, and serve the other. And it's to serve inwardly, but it's also a call to serve outwardly, to serve our neighbor. Our, our city is in desperate need of experiencing the life and light that's in Jesus Christ. And what's amazing is we as Christians have a long history of stepping into dark places and serving the needs of the community. I have seen our church do that in such a beautiful way. Man, our church being a church that has just been mobilized to serve the, the city and press back darkness. This was also true of the church in the third century in the midst of the plagues. Now, Christians stayed and served in the midst of difficulty. I wanna read this quote to you that'll be on the screen. It's long, so track with me here. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ and with them departed this life serenely happy. For some, they were infected by others with a disease, drawing onto themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and caring for others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner. A number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen willing high, winning high commendation so that death in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith, seems in every way the equal of martyrdom. I know that feels extreme for some of us, but I just want to remind us of the beauty of the church that's come before us. Just a church that saw the way Jesus served them and, and began to serve outward. A few, few ways you can do that. Our four local partners right now just means we're tethered to them financially and with, with like backing. Um, our Involve for Life that works among the unborn, um, Young Lives that works among teen moms, particularly historically has been at TJ and now just bigger North Dallas. Casa de Lago and Buckner that both work in various ways in our Bachman Lake community. We have tethered to them in such a way that so we can see the reversal of some of the darkness and things that are happening in the city of Dallas. And then at the same time, we've just had lots of friendship ministries that we just link up with and love and bless and support because we love what they're doing in the city of Dallas. And some of you, I feel like I've just heard from some of you and have felt the burden of what's going on that just this past week. And I feel like it would be, uh, we'd miss an opportunity if I didn't put a couple things before you. And so in light of what's been happening with, with Afghan refugees um, and what's what the, the transfer that's happening here to our city, it looks like right now there's about 300 or so that are coming to the Texas area. And, and it sounds like a good number of those will come to DFW. So some of our team has been talking to For the Nations and, and other refugee um, organizations here in Dallas. And, and like, it's one of those things where 
Um, it's, there's like service that you do for the long haul and there's service you have to do spontaneously. You just see a need and lean in. And so we don't have all the details together, but if that pricks your heart, particularly along the line of welcoming Afghan refugees, welcoming with hospitality, maybe inviting them to your home, maybe helping them figure out something in the city that they need to get, a SIM card or something, a way to bless them. I just love you to email mobilization at northwaychurch.com. And we're trying to put together a team of people so that we're so ready. Like the minute we hear, here's the number and here's what they need, we wanna lean in as a church. We've been talking to Eastside. We love Eastside so that we can partner together on that. We've been talking some to the village Flower Mound. How can we partner together? How can we be a church together, a unified church greater than ourselves? And then secondly, um, man, international students, you guys know this, just flood in and out of every city, even the city of Dallas. And statistically, it's known that about 80 to 90% of international students never are welcomed into American home. Some of you remember that two years ago with ISI, International Students Incorporated, this was crazy. We, we put before a need that there were 400 um, students in the city of Dallas, international students that needed friendship mentors, someone just to walk with them and meet with them, regularly demonstrate the good news of Jesus, maybe to get to declare it, Lord willing. And 80 of you, it was the largest registration they'd ever seen in the church, said, I'm interested. And then of that 80, if I'm getting this right, 50 actually leaned in and adopted. And it was amazing. We, we need that type of response again. Next Sunday, again, this is a spontaneous need. Um, the 29th, after the four o'clock service, some of you need to go to that service anyways. You can just go and then come, you know, and um, just one more time. That's the last time. Um, but we, um, we're gonna be on the deck and we're gonna be doing a training just to what would it look like to be a mentor and how can I lean in? Maybe those are helpful places for you. I think some of us feel like, yeah, that's good, but like, the church can't own everything. And what else is going on? I just want to say really clearly, like that we see you guys as ministers of the gospel. Like a few, Brady's going here next week, so I can't steal too much of his thunder. But like in, in light of Ephesians 4, um, pastors and deacons are called to be gospel equippers. The body, your gospel ministers. And so we long to be those that equip you. And I want you to hear that we see you like that at our church. And we want you to be empowered to do gospel ministry. Like there are some ministries that we own. That means that we conceive it and execute it and fund it. There are some ministries that we own, but there are many ministries that we just wanna bless and catalyze. So don't be afraid. Come to us with your stirrings from the Spirit of God. Come to us with your, what are you doing for adoption? How can I lean in? Come with those things and let us help you and just be a church that blesses and catalyzes many ministries and not just owns them all. And so the church is a, is a gifted many, not just, uh, not just a gifted few. Few objections I've just been thinking about on this message. Some of you might say, um, man, wh what about my healing? We kind of hit there earlier. Like, like I'm in this season where I, where I need healing. I just want to point you to Isaiah 58, six through eight. It's crazy that that text, the author begins to show that as you extend the love of Christ, the love of Christ comes back to you. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Some of you might say like, what, what about my freedom? Like, am I really gonna put one more, more notch on the calendar? And you need to evaluate that before the Lord and you need to feel compelled by the love of Christ, not, not guilted in any way today. But I wanna remind you, Galatians 5 says this, I, I, I love it. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Don't you love that? I'm like, yes. And he says this, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in the single commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And lastly, some of you might say, what about my fulfillment? Like, what about my joy? Like, I've, I've seen some people that serve and they look sad, you know, or I've, I, I just don't know what's happening. And Proverbs 11 says this, a generous person will be enriched. The one who gives a drink will receive or the one who waters will himself be watered. Jesus said this, it's more 
It's more blessed to give than to receive. So the path of service doesn't move away from freedom and from healing and from joy in Jesus. The path of service actually leads right into the heart. When done, to Jesus and for Jesus of freedom, healing, joy, and more of Jesus. And we were just thinking, we were talking together in our teaching team meeting of, man, just what if? Like, what, like what if God did this at Northway Church? Like, what, what if we became a church where that was flipped, where the 80-20 rule was flipped and 80% of the people served and 20% watched? We were saying, like, what if, like, one day, every one of our gospel communities, like, they, they adopted, like, a, a way to engage locally and a way to engage globally. We were saying, like, what if service here was so magnetic? Like, we saw some of this in discipleship this past year where we started doing organic discipleship relationships, and there was a wait list to actually disciple young adults and college students? What if every area of our church was so magnetic and we were so compelled from the love of Christ, nothing else, that there was wait lists? Like, I don't know if you've been a part of a church organization like that, but I long us to be like that. Where this, it's so magnetic. What if we, and I see us like this, what if we more and more were a church that when involved for life had a need, our young life thought about teen moms, or Buckner thought about the needs of Bachman Lake, they're like Northway Church. Like that is how the need's gonna be met. And what if we were a church where people that didn't believe in Jesus, who'd had a really bad taste in their mouth for what Christianity is, came here and they began to say, I, I don't agree with some of your doctrines, but I can't deny the fact that the, the way that you participate in this life makes everything better. And if your church wasn't in this space, our community would be worse for it. And I think we're there, but just longing for that more and more. In Luke, in Luke 12, Jesus gives this picture of the fact that it's just kind of unthinkable. He gives this picture where one day in the kingdom to come for those who are in Christ, we're gonna recline at a table and he's gonna serve us. One day, Revelation 7, 17, the lamb will be in their midst and shall feed them and he shall lead them into the living fountains of waters and God will wipe away their eyes. One day, 1 Corinthians 2, eye has not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Jesus in John 13 famously took off his outer garment, put on a towel and began to stoop low and serve his disciples by washing their feet. And the text says he did so knowing two things. He knew who he was and he knew where he was going. So here we, here we sit as a congregation just, just knowing that we are those that follow Jesus, the servant king. And we know that, that we are going to a place where one day we'll be served for eternity. In the meantime, we just get to lean in, be the hands and feet of that very Jesus to a community and a church that needs it desperately. And so that's what we're longing for here, more to come. But let me pray for us and, and we'll just take and participate in the Lord's Supper and be compelled to sing our songs and be sent into the city. Father, we love you. Uh, just thankful for uh, just the beauty that we see in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the king who is higher than all, who stooped lower than all. I'm just thankful for the good news, the gospel. I just pray that gospel melts our hearts in such a way that, that we look as a church a lot more like Jesus. I just pray you'd lead us to, to walk the path that Jesus did, to lead the life that Jesus did, and, and then just to do all that in light of the fact that one day Jesus is making everything new, it's going to serve us. And so, Father, make us participants more and more in your kingdom. Uh, we love you, and we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Northway Church. A podcast should never replace gathering with God's people to worship Jesus Christ. So we want to encourage you to be part of a local church family. 
We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 4 p.m., and would love for you to join us as we encounter the truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus.